All right. So I hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, spring is upon us, I guess. It's been windy here, a little bit warmer temperatures. I want to revisit something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I want to talk about three levels of consciousness. Um, and just consciousness in general. I'm going to talk about the mind. I want you to consider the fact that you are that you are a mind. <laughs> I know this is contrary to a lot of what we're taught in spiritual circles. You are not your mind and all that stuff. Um, and I agree with that, but I want to come at it from a different angle. And I want you just to consider, uh, and with the wind blowing, I've got a little bit of uh, <clears throat> allergies going on, so my eyes are watering a little bit red, but uh, we'll get through this. <laughs> I want you to think about the fact that you are that you are a mind primarily. That you primarily are a mind. That's the first thing I want you to think about. You are a thinker. You are a conscious, sentient being. That's what I mean when I say that you are a mind primarily. Now, as a mind, you have the ability to create. Uh, In fact, your mind is constantly, constantly creating. Your mind is constantly doing something. Your mind is constantly active. <clears throat> and the way this works is, is that your, you, you and I, what we experience as our physical reality, what we experience as our physical reality, what we can see, what we can touch and taste, this, this cup of coffee here that says good morning that looks like a blue cup of coffee and has coffee that, that tastes really good. Um, <clears throat> that, feeling of it, the warmth, the the taste, the smell, all that stuff is in your mind. So what's happening is, is that you have a body with five physical senses, right? And these physical senses are all connected to the brain. I've uh, been struggling with some uh, p- pinch nerves off and on in my life. Um, recently had a little bit of an issue with one. And when the the nerve up here gets pinched from too much working and too much repetitive motion and too much sitting and not enough exercise or stretching and that kind of stuff. Uh, my fingers down here get numb and they get numb because there's an interruption with the nerve. So what I'm sensing out here isn't able to get to my brain. So everything you feel is wired into the brain. Everything you see is wired into the brain. Everything you hear is wired into the brain. And all that's coming in is is like waveform information that the brain then is a master at organizing. And what it actually does is it creates, it absolutely creates the sensory uh, perceptions that we have and then feeds it back to us. So if you think about it this way, everything that's coming in is information that's coming in. And your brain is a giant interpreter of that information. And then it spits out something for you to read. And what you actually live inside then is what you're reading. Or what you're living inside is the image of reality that your brain is giving to you. So in other words, my brain is giving me the image of a blue cup. Now, whether or not it's a bl- actual blue cup in its existence or what it exists like before the information gets to the mind and gets interpreted, whatever it might taste like before the information, you know, before it touches my tongue and the information gets to the mind and the mind interprets that information and gives it back to me. Who knows? The point is, 
is that your mind is constantly creating these images, these interpretations, these models of reality and giving them to you. And you and I then are making decisions based on that input or output, sorry, based on that output from the mind. So that's the first thing. Everything then is mind, essentially. And you and I are a mind. Now, I want you to think about this, that everything in life can be boiled down to decisions, to consistent, to, to, to choices, that we make the choice to get up in the morning. We make the choice, take a shower. We make the choice, drink coffee. We make the choice how to wear our hair, what clothes to put on. Uh, we make the choice to get in the car and go to work. Everything is a series of choices. As I'm talking right now, I'm making choices about every single word that I'm saying. And we we don't think about this a lot. We don't think about the fact that life is a series of choices. So you are a mind that's got all this information, and everything that you perceive as being without or coming from without, like the coffee, like watching me, like listening, everything that you perceive as coming from without, and everything that you perceive as coming from within. So you could say that my words are coming from within me, right? Because there's there's nothing out here telling me what to say. I'm not reading something. I'm speaking very spontaneously. I'm speaking as the words are coming up from within me. And so, and, and, and as I'm speaking these words, these words are just representations of the larger concepts that I have inside my mind that are coming up within me. So we have this perception. We have this idea of a within and a without. But in reality, all of it, all of it is mind. And so based on that, that common perception that we have, we could say, um, that all of it is mental. So I want you to get that idea that, that then, that we live in this mental universe. I'm going to keep saying this. You are a mind. By that, I mean you are a conscious, sentient being. And our entire life is made up of a series of choices. Gosh, I'm really, my eyes are really watering. Sorry. Um, It's a series of choices. Little choices. Now, within this complexity of the mind, when we think about choices, There are free choices, conscious choices. You could call this the free part of the mind. The mind that's able to choose something. Like, for example, choosing to get on today uh, and talk. Versus many Sundays in the fall when I chose not to. Made a conscious choice. If you're watching this, you're making a conscious choice to watch this. But then we're guided by a lot of other programmed choices. 
In other words, choices that are already made and settled and operate as programs inside the mind. You could think about uh, breathing as a great example, because there's a part of your mind that keeps you breathing. There's a part of your mind that keeps you breathing. I'm going to come back to the breath in a minute. And you're not conscious of it until you're conscious of it. That's why breath is such a great example of this. In other words, you, you could think about it this way. There were choices. Everybody breathes. Let me say it this way. Everybody breathes in a pattern. Some people breathe faster. Some people breathe slower. And I'm talking about when you're not thinking about it, when it's just on autopilot. Some people breathe deeply. Some people breathe from their stomach. A lot of people breathe more from their chest. And you see their chest moving when they're breathing, right? And that's not a conscious choice, but in fact, a choice is being made at the subconscious level or there'd be no variance in it. Now, the conscious mind, what I'm calling the voluntary mind, you could call it uh, voluntary mind and involuntary mind. The involuntary mind, thank God, keeps me breathing throughout the day so I can focus on other things and use my voluntary mind to make other choices and decisions. But I can take control of my breathing by just becoming conscious of it. I can stop and hold it for however long. Or I can decide to take a deep breath. Right? I can decide to inhale and exhale longer. That's all coming from the conscious mind, the voluntary mind. But for the most part, this involuntary mind is making these decisions for me. Now, there's all kinds of stuff that's programmed into this involuntary mind or into this subconscious mind. Uh, We can look at a lot of the physical stuff that we do, the ability to talk. I don't have to consciously think and about what words I'm going to say or how to sound them out. Uh, like a child who's learning to, to speak or a child who's learning to read. I can go and I can read the comments. I don't have to sound them out. I don't have to look at uh, some of you and say, good morning. I could just see it and I just know instantly, good morning. Didn't used to know that. I was programming my brain to make a decision, to make a predetermined decision. So that whenever I saw the letters G-O-O-D, my mind would decide that that meant good. Whenever I see the letters M-O-R-N-I-N-G, my mind would decide that is morning. When I would see them together, I would know that's good morning. And I would know that what that would represented. See, it was a series of choices. Before I learned to read good morning, I needed to know what good morning represented, what good morning Meant that's learning to speak. Now, if this was in Russian or Chinese, I would have no idea, absolutely no idea. My mind, my brain would look at those characters in Chinese or in Russian or whatever and have no frame of reference for it, have no previous decision that had been made for me about what those symbols represented. 
So all those previous decisions about learning the alphabet, about learning the English language, about learning to read, all that stuff is programmed as pre-recorded decisions in the subconscious mind. So I don't have to think about it and I can communicate. It basically comes from within. When I look at it, I know what it is. I just know, I just know it comes from within. Like I don't have to have anybody tell me. I know what it means. (laughs) I'm giving really simple examples because this is how intuition works. This is how that inward knowing, if you think about it, when you read a word or you hear something, you hear someone talking in a language that you understand and that you're fluent in, you don't have to do the interpretation in your mind. You just know. But there was a time that you didn't just know. And that knowledge came to you through a series of choices, through a series of programs. I was programmed. Now, you see, here's the thing. I was programmed to speak English. I was taught to speak English. I was taught to make those decisions. In that sense, I had no conscious choice. I had no conscious choice whatsoever because I can't even remember a day that I didn't think with words, that I didn't know how to express or communicate myself with words, but there were at least a couple years, I would guess, (laughs) that that was a reality, right? It was pre-verbal. All that stuff's coming from within. All that stuff is the result of decisions that were made. And then all this stuff that's going on exists in the category of the voluntary, or what we call the conscious mind, and the involuntary what we call the subconscious mind. Now, in the subconscious mind, there is an unconscious mind. I don't like that term, unconscious. Let's just, let's just keep subconscious. Here's what I mean. There are things that are embedded in us from decisions that we are completely unaware of, that we have no awareness of at all. And by not having awareness, okay, so there's two levels. So when I look at good morning, I don't really have a choice to not understand that. I I can't see anything else out of that. I can't stop my mind from looking at the letters G-O-O-D-M-O-R-N-I-N-G and translate immediately good morning. That's the meaning that comes up immediately. And I can't make it not do that. So it's a function of the subconscious mind, right? So now choice has been taken away from me. You know, if I'd have had choice, if we'd have had choice at two years old and said, I don't think I want to learn English, mom and dad. I think I want to learn Spanish. And I'm choosing to be immersed in a Spanish environment I'm choosing to go to a Spanish school. I'm choosing to go to a place where I don't hear any English. <clears throat> then my programming would be entirely different 
But once it's there, it's there, right? It's just this inward knowing that comes with it. Now, on another level, when we think about programming, on another level, there are programs that are given to us. There are decisions that are made for us about how we are going to think, about what we are going to think, that are given to us every bit as much against our will as the language that we speak. <laughs> um, in other words, there are ways of thinking that we are completely unconscious of that were given to us as programs. They were given to us as programs. And these programs operate just as automatically, <laughs> but they're more hidden. So let's look at it this way. You could say that there are certain mental frames, ways of thinking about the world, ways of believing about the world that are given to us, that are cultural, that we mimic, that we copy. In other words, what happens is, is that my parents didn't really sit down and have English speaking lessons with me at two years old. They just talked in English. They talked to each other in English. I'm surrounded by a world where people communicate in English. <clears throat> and all I did as a brain, as a mind, was I learned how to copy that. In other words, I put a copy of that. I put a recording of that inside of me, copying what they were doing. And once I could copy what they were doing, then I would simply spit out. My mind would simply give me the copy of the world that was around me. And that determines the limitations of my ability for communication. <laughs> I, I told the story Friday night. I'm not going to tell it again, but I told the story Friday night of the first time that I was in Russia and I was in this place, I was by myself, my translator wasn't with me, and I had to communicate the fact that I had to go to the bathroom, and the bathroom door was locked. And so I was able to, uh, it was in the middle of the night, uh, my bathroom door was locked, I was able, I guess I'm going to tell it again, <laughs> my bathroom door was locked, and I was able to wake up the security guard, <clears throat> it was just a security guard, no one at the front desk, in the hotel, I was able to wake up the security guard, but I'm limited in my ability to communicate with him. There's a barrier that I have to transcend if I'm going to be able to go to the restroom, but I don't know his language. He doesn't know my language. So those are about the only times in this illustration when it comes to language that we are pushed to the point of the unknown, that we're pushed to the point of the unknown. I didn't know exactly how to communicate. I knew my words and language probably wasn't going to work with him. Now, I had my iPad, I had access to the internet, so I used Google Translate. <laughs> Just handed it to him. That was a decision. But notice, I had to get to the point of the unknown, and then I had to wrestle with the unknown, and I had to transcend the unknown by making a new decision and finding a new way of communicating something as simple as, where's the restroom, or 
can you help me? My door is locked. Can you give me the key to get me in to the restroom? Simple everyday thing, something we do every day when we're traveling or something in an English speaking world. But when we get immersed into a world where they don't speak like us, we don't have the copy. I don't have the copy of Russian. So I need to communicate something, but I have no way to produce that from within. So I get to the point of the unknown. I get to this zero point, I like to call it. And then that forces me to think differently, forces me to problem solve, and forces me to do something to get outside of the parameters of my mind and solve a problem, do something else. Now, so I end up copying. So if growing up in the United States, people would get sick, I would get sick. And what people do when they get sick, they take medicine, they open up their cupboard, they take medicine out of their cupboard, and they take their medicine. They go to their doctor. Well, nobody asks why we do this. I mean, you don't ask it three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Why do we do this? I mean, maybe you do, but I'm just thinking about my own kids, you know. they get a fever, we give them Advil. They don't ask questions. They have allergies, we give them allergy medicine. They don't ask questions. We take them to the doctor, they don't ask questions. They, they don't ask why. So now there's a copy of how we do sickness and how we do health. How we do sickness and how we do health that's part of Decisions that I will make in the future. So if I'm not feeling good in the future, what do I do? I get up. Decision. I get up. Go in the cabinet. Pull out Advil or whatever. Pop it in my mouth. Drink the water. If I don't get better or if I'm really sick, I go to the doctor Those are decisions, but are they decisions or are they part of a worldview about the body, about health, about healing, about medicine that was given to me that I don't even ask why. And that entire world has its own copy. And by that, I mean the medical world, medicine has its own copy of principles, things that work, things that don't work. Decisions that have already been made. So, in other words, when a doctor, when you're sitting there with a doctor and you describe your symptoms and the doctor diagnoses you with something or runs a swab up your nose and tests you and you test positive for something, all of that is pre-recorded. All of that is based on tests and studies and science and whatever. And then the doctor will give you advice. The doctor will write you a prescription. But if a doctor just goes rogue, (laughs) if a doctor just goes off the rails and makes up shit and gives you your your his own thing, his own remedy, then he could lose his license. You know what I mean? Like if you if you go in with strep throat, for example, 
They're going to write, they're going to ask you if you're allergic to antibiotics. If you're not, they're going to write you a prescription for antibiotics. You're going to go, you're going to go to the pharmacy. The pharmacist doesn't have independent choice. He can't just decide to put steroids in there or Valium in there or some psychotropic drug in there. He's got to put what's on the prescription. See, this is all being governed by beliefs and presuppositions and decisions that's already been made, copies. It's being governed by copies. So, you know, if the doctor said, well, hmm, Aaron, I think you have strep throat, and I'll tell you what, I would suggest that you go home and you say five Hail Marys and six Our Fathers, and you donate a little bit to the poor, and you'll be just fine. <laughs> but see, that that's that's stuff that we're all just programmed, that's programmed into us, that we make those decisions. We act because that's the way we were taught to act. That those are the copies that are given. We get sick, we go, we do it this way. But now if you grow up in an indigenous culture, if you grow up in a, a Native American culture, uh, even today, or an indigenous culture in Africa or any place in the world, or at a different time period before there was doctors, you went to the medicine man or the medicine woman. You went to the shaman. And the shaman it's going to have a completely different way of treating your illness, a completely different way of treating your disease. See, for you growing up in that culture back in the day or whatever, that was your choice. That was your option. You didn't have the option to go to a hospital. You didn't have the option to go get a COVID test or as my buddy Derek Day said, uh, you know, take ivermectin or, or whatever. <laughs> the case may be like those weren't even options for you. You went to the, 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 the shaman and the shaman would burn sage maybe and shake a rattle over you and go on a spirit journey and find the root cause of your sickness and give you some herbs and some treatments, but treat really treating the body, treating sickness and disease more at the level of consciousness and less at the level of matter to matter. Uh, I've got this material problem in my body. I've got strep throat, strep throat germs in my body. I'm going to take antibiotics that are going to kill that off, and I'm treating it sort of matter to matter. We don't even think about that. Now, the contrast of these two worldviews are built on a larger presupposition that is a cultural agreement, just like the language that you speak is a cultural agreement, but you didn't choose your language. Your language is given to you, and now subconsciously you speak it, <laughs> consciously and subconsciously. Just like you may treat your body sickness in a certain way based on the collective agreement of the group around you. There's an even larger overarching collective agreement that says that the body is material and materialism is all there is. And we're stuck in Newtonian models of thinking, thinking Newtonian models of thinking. So we're given a Newtonian model of the world, a Newtonian model of cause and effect. And by Newtonian, what I mean is we're given this, this model of the world that perceives cause and effect only as matter acting upon matter. Johnny hit the ball and the ball went sailing, right? So that, that level of cause and effect. Whereas perhaps there's a totally different way that the world works. Uh, people prior to Newton, uh, going all the way back even to Greek philosophers and before, believed that the causes lay within the mind. 
that the causes lay within past lives, that the causes lay within emotions, energy. If you go to the East and you look at Oriental medicine, the cause of your liver disease isn't necessarily that you ate wrong or drank too much alcohol or got hepatitis. The cause of your liver disease is you're holding on to too much anger. You're holding on to too much bitterness. You're holding on to too much resentment. And if we can't treat the liver without treating what's coming from the mind, that sounds crazy to Western medicine. So now we've got even larger frames that we're unaware of, even larger frames that get programmed into our subconscious. Now, let me bring all this home and make it kind of simple. So I want you to realize that your entire life, my entire life is made up of a series of decisions. And we live those same decisions for the most part every single day. We don't even question them. We don't even think about them. We get up in the morning. We have a style that we like. So we put on the clothes. We have a, we have a ritual, hopefully <laughs> a grooming routine that we go through and everybody's different. Maybe, uh, you, you, you shave in the morning, you shave your face in the morning if you're a man. Uh, on days that you're going to work, your alarm goes off at a certain time. When your alarm goes off, you decide to get up. You, uh, go through your daily, you know, cleansing ritual. You pick out the, the clothes from the same set of clothes that you had yesterday. And you get in the same car. Uh, at about the same time, you drive the same route to work, right? You go to the same job, you see the same people, you say the same things. Good morning, how are you? How was your night? How was your weekend? What'd you do? How are the kids? Uh, what's on my schedule today? And then you go about, we call it a daily routine, but this daily routine is a series of decisions nonetheless. Even though it's a routine, it's a series of decisions nonetheless. The less and we just so we get stuck in these routine patterns and we're doing these things oftentimes based on models and maps of the world that were given to us that we copied in this mind that we are. And then our mind just keeps reproducing and keeps spitting those things out over and over and over and over again. So that every day is the same. So that we all become like Bill Murray in that great old movie, uh, Groundhog Day, <laughs> where we're just getting up. I mean, you want to watch something that's profound and powerful and will change your life. If you haven't ever seen it, watch the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray and, and Andy McDowell. And those of you that haven't seen it, I won't do any spoilers, but he, he gets stuck somehow in this time loop where Groundhog Day is just, he keeps reliving Groundhog Day. He's a weatherman. He's there to see if, uh, if the groundhog, you know, sees its shadow or whatever. And he just ends up reliving that over and over. Um, but it's an interesting concept and it's an interesting metaphor when you think about groundhogs and shadows and winners and light. It, there's just so much there. It's just powerful. It's a powerful movie. Change your life. It's prophetic. Absolutely prophetic. But see, that's what a lot of us end up doing. A lot of us just end up living groundhog day. And, and, and if you think about it, now, those are outward decisions, but also, for the most part, we have repetitive thoughts. We have repetitive thoughts about ourselves. We have repetitive thoughts about the world. And all of this is part of a programming that's given to us. Uh, you know, um, I I didn't get up and go to work for a long time. I worked for my, myself. I, I developed multiple streams of income. All kinds of stuff. Um, 
buying and selling things, buying things cheap, selling them higher, you know, anything to generate an income. And, but my, you know, I, I, I came from a family where my dad went to work every day. Um, but my dad owned the business. My dad was self-employed in that sense. Some people, the only thing they know is working for a living. Uh, they don't even know how to think outside that box. So what happens then is that our brain is feeding us all this stuff, but it's feeding us at a level of unconsciousness. We're not conscious of the fact. I'm not conscious of the fact that I get up and go to work every morning because I have to pay the bills and I have to get the paycheck in, in the account. You know, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just getting up. I'm going to work. Not thinking about there's other ways to do this. You see what I'm saying? Um, for most people, that's how it works. And they don't even realize. They, they take a pill. They don't even consider the fact that maybe there's something in consciousness that I can do to change this uh, course of this dis-ease that's going on inside of me, inside of my body. Don't even consider it. Don't even consider that you could do something completely different today. And so that's how the subconscious mind works. That's why the subconscious mind is the involuntary mind. The subconscious mind is the mind that makes decisions for us without any kind of conscious input. And this is what makes change so difficult. And then internally, we're having repetitive thoughts, the same thoughts over and over again. We're having the same feelings over and over again. We're considering the same possibilities within the same box of limitation over and over again, right? So I said I would come back to the breathing, but I'm going to do that do that another time. But I will say this about the breath. Change, real powerful change starts with breath. And I know that probably sounds shocking to people. But breathing is the closest bridge you have between the voluntary and the involuntary mind. Think about it. I can't take control over my digestion in a moment's notice and make it stop. I can't make my heart quit in a moment's notice. Uh, any of these other autonomic features that keep me alive, I can't make my immune st- system stop working by an act of my will or make it start working. I can't make a hyperactive immune system if there's an autoimmune disease where it's attacking the body. I can't just make it stop. But my breath, my breathing, my breathing, I can make it stop. I can change the rhythm of it. I can change the pattern of it. And see, all that is present. So when when you're focused on the breath, the breath is the bridge between the conscious and the subconscious. I'll do a whole video on that. I don't want to, I don't want to get on, onto that today. I want to talk about what is awakening, awakening, real true awakening, real true consciousness, real true awareness and presence is when you become conscious of these limited frames, these limited copies that you keep reproducing through decisions day after day. And then you become aware of the thoughts inside the thoughts. You become aware of the, the, the thought that holds the thought in place. 
In other words, to go back to the illustration of medicine, if I go and have strep throat, they take a throat culture, they identify it. There are other thoughts inside of that. There have been experiments that identify a strep germ. There's a way that test is run. That test is based on other thoughts that support that. They give me a prescription for amoxicillin, which is an antibiotic that treats my strep throat. I take it. I get better. Those are all decisions, but there are thoughts that support that that I'm not even aware of. Unless I Google it or, or ask the doctor or something like, why do you give me amoxicillin? Well, because it's an antibiotic, but how do you know it's going to treat my strep throat? See, tracking down those other supporting thoughts and beliefs. And so real awakening oftentimes is when we begin to realize that I'm living a programmed life. I'm a copy. <laughs> I'm not authentic. I'm a copy. I mean, I, I, I joke that, you know, uh, I live in uh, a suburb, sort of a rural suburb um, on the outskirts of it in a red district. And I just, I crack up because every time I go to a restaurant, and I, I don't mean this as offensive to anyone, it's just the best illustration I can come up with. Every time I go to a restaurant, every time I uh, go to the store and I look around, I will find men my age, almost all of them with carrying extra weight, like I'm carrying extra weight right now, uh, swelled up a little bit around the middle, um, either wearing a T-shirt or a sweatshirt, depending on the time of year, a pair of jeans, usually a pair of sort of faded jeans or something, uh, usually some kind of work boots or cowboy boots, um, oftentimes a goatee. Uh, oftentimes, uh, hat on their head, some kind of cap on their head, usually not a softball cap, but not a farmer's cap also, but somewhere in that range. And almost all of them have a pair of Oakleys. And all the guys are like this, right? And they all get in their Ford F-150s or F3, F-250s or whatever. Like, seriously, like you pull up in the restaurant, like there's trucks everywhere. And I sit there and I look at their horrible sense of style, in my opinion. Because <laughs> anybody that knew me, like, back when I was pastoring and stuff, I like to dress up, man. I like flair. I, I, I like, uh, I, I like to stand out and look good, right? And I just look at this and I think, y'all know that you're copies of each other. Like, what made you make the decision to buy a pair of Oakleys? <laughs> or have a goatee and a haircut like everybody else in the county? You see what I'm saying? So you think about peer pressure. You think about social interactions. You think about um, relationships. You think about income potential. You think about your human potential in general. What do you, what do you actually have the power to do? Do you have the power to read read minds? Do you have the power to intuit the future psychically? Do you have the ability to connect with other uh, realms and ways 
uh, of being that maybe completely transcend anything that you think is possible? Do you have the ability, do we have the ability by simply mental thought, mentation, to trans-relocate, to, to do what they do on Star Trek where you just disappear in one place and reappear in another? I, I, I know people who could have claimed to have seen that phenomenon. I mean, actually, you know, know of them at least. Um, not because I read about it, but I know people. Um, you know, maybe those things are possible. Who knows, right? But before we think about, I want to be in Hawaii on the beach right now. Um, <laughs> before we think about that, let's just, let's just change some basic things about our lives. Let's change some bad habits. Let's change some bad habits of thinking. Let's feel better on the inside. Right. But that's going to require that you break out and change the patterns. Now, I want you to consider this, and this is where I'm going to close. I want you to consider this. This is the thought I want to leave you with. All things. You can interrupt the pattern of decisions because at any given moment, at this moment right now, there are trillions of potential futures out there. I can literally, in my mind's eye, if I want to imagine it, I can sit here and I can look out and I can see dozens of versions of Aaron Tomlinson, like Mr. Smith in, was it the second or the third Matrix movie? I can see dozens of versions of Aaron Tomlinson going about the day, each one a decision, each one a timeline, each one a separate timeline, each one leading to a separate reality, so that all things, in a sense, are possible for me in this very moment. And if I'm aware of it in the next moment, and I realize my future is the byproduct of all the little decisions that I make, And at this moment in time, I can make one decision that can alter which reality I experience. And then the next moment, there's tons of versions of Aaron doing various different things. And each one its own timeline. And each one leading to its own outcome. And the next moment, that that if I, I just want you to grasp the understanding that that's how creatively powerful every moment of your life is. That every moment, if you choose to be awake of it, awake to it, if you choose to be aware of it, that in every moment, you can make decisions that alter the course of your life. Every moment we do, we do it anyway. But you say, well, my, my life doesn't change, my life doesn't alter. That's, that's actually a course. The course to stay in the same pattern is actually a course. Every moment has creative possibility. At every single moment, trillions of possibilities and potential realities and potential futures are yours in the gift, (coughs) in the gift of the present moment. All it takes is that decision. All it takes is doing something. So if you're, if you're living Groundhog Day, so in the movie, I don't want to give spoilers. Go out and watch it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But, but we have to, but see, here's where we have to get to. We have to get to the point of the unknown. 
We have to get to the point of the uncomfortable. We have to get to the point. So I, I told the story Friday on Freeology with Derek, and, and I told a little bit. I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night in Russia. <laughs> and my toilet kept running. So before I had to go to the bathroom, I was trying to sleep. I had jet lag. I'd just gotten there. My toilet kept running. So I get up in my hotel room. I close the door so that I don't have to hear the toilet or it's a little bit quieter. I go to sleep. I wake up a little bit later, and I have to go to the bathroom. And so I just get up like I'm going to go to the bathroom, and the door is locked. Now watch the interrupt pattern interruptions. Watch the pattern interruptions. It was inconceivable to me that a bathroom door in a hotel would automatically lock when you close it, which this one did. Inconceivable to me because I'd never had that experience before. In fact, all my other past experiences in hotels and in other parts of the world, but especially in the U.S., that never happened. So in all my previous experience, when I would get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I wouldn't even necessarily remember the next morning. I just get up. I got to go to the bathroom. Here's the bathroom. Click, click, click. See, I, I would have never pattern interrupt right there. Interrupted my expectations. Now I've got a problem. <laughs> I got a problem because I really got to go and I can't get in. So now I have to think outside the box. I don't have the key. My, my, uh, room key doesn't fit in it. There's a little bit of a gap in there. So I know I, I thought, well, I'm going to try and see if I can't slip one of my credit cards. I tried my driver's license. I ruined a credit card. Um, I jiggered it up so bad trying to get it. And finally, I'm like, I've got to go tell somebody. But again, I'm in a world where they don't have the same copy I have in terms of language. They don't understand my language. I don't understand theirs. So something as simple as asking where the bathroom is becomes uncomfortable. I, I can't do it the same way. I can't just walk down and say, hey, my bathroom door's locked. Do you have a bathroom down here that I can use? Like, I can't explain all of that. I can make motions. <laughs> you know, I could grab my groin, but if you walk up to somebody in Russia and grab your groin, it's, it's like giving them the bird. <laughs> so I went... I went down, I found the security guard, but you see what I'm saying? Like, like everything I knew wouldn't work to solve this problem. I couldn't solve it in the ordinary way. I had to do something out of the ordinary. So I had my iPad and I thought, okay, I can type in to Google Translate. I need to use the bathroom. My door's locked. Popped it in, got it. A few minutes later, I was relieving myself in my own hotel bathroom. Simple illustration, but I want you to bring this on a larger scale, that sometimes what we take for granted is what's keeping us locked into a future or into a life or into a reality that's making us unhappy and miserable. And we're just doing it on autopilot because that's the way it's always been done. Sometimes when we don't, when we get to the unknown, when we get to the, I don't know, I, my door's locked. I didn't expect that. My pattern's interrupted. I don't know what to do. Now I've got to start thinking outside that box. That programming doesn't work anymore. That copying doesn't work anymore. This is a new situation. See, I couldn't do it the old way because it was no longer a copy that made sense to my mind. And so in that moment, I had the opportunity for something new. And so I had to think, oh, there's... I've got to find a different way to do this. 
So I'm trying my credit card. Trying my driver's license. Damn it, I'm going to have to see if I can find somebody to help me. How am I going to communicate it? Am I going to try to use body language? Am I just going to ask him to follow me and show him? I know. I've got my iPad. I can use Google Translate. Maybe that'll work. See, all that was new thoughts. All that was outside the programming. So two things, I guess, that I want realize how much of your life is a copy and a program that's operating subconsciously. Realize that you are a mind. Realize that life is a series of decisions that are coming out from that mind. Realize that that mind, because it's a copy, goes through life the same way, making the same decisions moment by moment. Realize when you come up against a problem, you come up against something you don't know how to solve. When life gets frustrating, when life gets difficult, life gets frustrating and difficult because you can't follow the copy anymore. You don't have the answers anymore. That's that's the point you want to be at. You want to push yourself to the point that you don't know what to do. And when you don't know what to do, that's when you have the opportunity to create something new. Realize that you don't have to wait till you get to that point, that every Moment is a creative moment. Every moment, there are millions of possibilities. Every moment, you can make a decision that will change your life. Every moment, you can have a thought or a feeling that can set you on a course for an outcome and a future that you want. And when you realize that, think about it. I can get up from this place. I can decide I'm not going to work tomorrow. I could decide I have enough money in my bank account. I could decide. I could decide, you know, we're flying someplace or we're, we're going to get in a car. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I don't have enough money, the price of gas, but theoretically, I'm going to get in my car. We're going to drive to the Pacific Ocean. We're going to go up north. We're going to go see Seattle. We've never seen Seattle before as a family. We're going to go see Seattle as a family. Okay, guys, nobody's going to school tomorrow. Nobody's going to work tomorrow. Climbing the car. We're going to put it all on a credit card. We got three, four, five credit cards that we haven't tapped into. We got an application yesterday for one. We're going to fill out all these applications, and we're going to go live the life on credit. And when we're tapped out, we're going to file for bankruptcy and start over. <laughs> I sounds somewhat appealing, doesn't it? That's a choice I could make. That's a choice I can make right now. I could decide I'm tired of my job. I could sit down. I could Google. Look what other kind of jobs are out there that fit my skill set. Or that I might be a good match for. Could decide that we want to go have an active day together as a family. Or I can decide I just want to relax and watch TV today. See, each one... Is a totally different future timeline. But most of our decisions we make on autopilot. So when you wake up in the present moment, you realize I'm a mind. <laughs> As a mind, I can change. I, 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 I don't have to stay stuck in this involuntary pattern. I can make a change. And I can make any change I want to. And it could lead anywhere I want to go. But you see, now watch this. Let's say that I did say, to my family, we're going to jump in the car. 
We're going to take every credit card that we have. We're going to jump in the car. And we are going to go exploring the U.S. for a few months. I'm not calling into work. Kids, you're not going to school the rest of the year. You got the rest of the year off. Let's go. Now, do you feel or hear all? That's that's a major pattern interrupt. But do you hear and feel all the arguments against that? Remember those supporting thoughts I was talking about when I was talking about medicine? Those larger frames, those mental frames. Oh, my God, you can't do that. My God, that would be irresponsible. What are you going to do if? What happens if? What happens if people report us missing and the next thing you know, the, 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 the police are looking for us and, and they're wondering why our kids aren't in school because, you know, it's, it's against the law not to send your, your kids to school and the truancy and people are going to be calling and people are going to be worried and people are going to report you missing. And they're going to be looking for you. And because you're a white suburban family, there's going to be a national manhunt. <laughs> what are you going to do when the money runs out? What are you going to do at the end when, you know, when in reality, I just let people know, hey, I could tell them anything. I don't have to tell them the truth. I could say, hey, I have a job opportunity. We're moving. Got to do it now. Got to get the boys ready. We're going to put them in a different school, contact the school, contact people and let them know, contact my job and say I quit. And then I could get in the car. We could go do this touring and this exploring. We could put it all on credit, take out bankruptcy. And I know based on my skill set, I could get another job. And we could start over and we could be okay. But see, I come up against all those other Moral beliefs. Oh, that's irresponsible. Oh, that would be immoral. That would lack integrity. That would be unfair to your children. Um, that would be, take out bankruptcy. Well, then you're just, you're just a taker. You're just, um, you know, you're basically stealing that money from the credit. See, moral objections, <laughs> um, not conforming to the pattern of the world and what they expect, but also not being a copy. So I hope that helps. <laughs> I'll come back and do something on breath. I, I really want to talk about that because I, I do think that's the key to profound change <coughs> that we can do. Um, but, you know, we'll come back and we'll talk about that another time. Hope this was helpful for you. Hope this was a blessing. Let me go back and look at some of the comments. Not a lot of comments here this morning, um, at least not that are showing up for me. Um, mostly good mornings. Chad says, I'd really be interested in ways you have used to change subconscious patterns. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in addition to breath work. I just, I, I feel like I've got to create a good understanding before I get too much into those things, but I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, sounds like growth when you operate. Robert says, it sounds like growth when you operate outside the programming. Absolutely. Um, uh, <laughs> Sanders says, you make this sound appealing. Who wouldn't want to just, you know, <laughs> I don't know which part you're talking about there, Sandra, but who wouldn't want to just go, you know, tour the country on someone else's money? 
borrowing it and whatever. So, but yeah, yeah. Think about it though. Think about the power of that thought. Every moment's an opportunity for something new. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for joining. Um, blessings to you and, uh, we will see you next week.